0: You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Thanks, worship team, for leading us. What a great song to launch into a season of following jesus together if you're in grade six or uh, to eight we've got our crew uh going on out to their sunday school time uh, if, if you're new or visiting you have someone who's grade six to eight they can follow the crowd there you're you're welcome to join them see where they're going if you are new or a visitor here i'm just i'm thankful that you're here uh, and and we just want to let you know that um that you don't need to believe anything to be here this morning Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. I, I, I came because I was invited, or maybe you just wandered in this morning. Um, we want you to know that you don't need to believe anything to be here. And as you've been here this morning, I trust that you, you've seen something, you've felt something, you've heard something. We are gathered here because of Jesus. <laughs> because he takes things that are dry and, and broken and sometimes dead in our life, and he brings them to life. Uh, he's done that through the cross. This event in history where, where on the cross he, he took the sin and shame of the world and broke its curse. And three days later rose from the dead. And, and he has sent his spirit into our world and into our hearts so that we might experience that same power. And be put back together in a way that God intends people to be put back together into the fullness of life. So we're thankful that you're here as we worship Jesus together. I also want to let you know uh, this morning for those of you who are guests and those of you who uh, come here all the time, we have got a, a barbecue following the service. So hopefully you're getting hungry. You'll smell the waft of burgers and hot dogs in just a moment. Um, but we want to encourage you to stick around, uh, grab something to eat. Uh, there is ice cream for dessert, so you can look forward to that as well, uh, and um, uh, and it's, uh, it's all taken care of. You can just uh, grab a burger. If you can stick around, please do. Uh, but if you need to grab and go, you can do that as well. Uh, we just want to kick off uh, our ministry season together uh, well, and it's something we do every year. Uh, we've entered the fall, and I'm sure many of you, your, your rhythms have started to change. Maybe things have gotten busier for you over this last little uh, season. Uh, I know one of the signals in my family that the summer is winding down is my wife's Gina's birthday. It's her birthday at the end of August. And so it's the last big celebration that we have before the summer is over. And so a few weeks ago, our Whitaker clan, we went out for dinner to celebrate our beloved Gina. She was turning 35 Again. And after our, our meal, we got up, and Gina went straight to a man who was sitting at a table behind us, and she asked him, are you Nick? And, and this is a strange scene for me, because normally when the Whitakers are out in public, it's me who is going to awkwardly talk to strangers. But this time, it, it was Gina. And, and the man smiled, and he said, yeah, I'm Nick. And Gina said, congratulations. Congratulations. What you did was was truly amazing. And then she walked out of the restaurant. And I followed along thinking, what on earth is going on here? And and so when we got out of the restaurant, uh, I asked her, who was that? And she explained, well, well, that's Nick Peltier, the ultra-endurance athlete who swam the length of Lake Okanagan this summer, all 106 kilometers in one go. It's truly amazing. And so I said, Gina, how on earth did you know that that was him? And she said, well, I follow him on Instagram, of course. (laughs) And social media is is this great way to follow some amazing people in our world. But it's got me thinking about what does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, we talk about following Jesus all the time uh, in the church So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like? We all know that following Jesus isn't like following a celebrity or or an influencer on social media. Followers of Jesus, we don't simply admire who he is. and We're not fans who watch from a distance. We don't follow by saying yes to his friend invitation and then scrolling the feed of our Bible once in a while to see what he's been up to. That's not what following Jesus is like, we know that. Following Jesus is something much more compelling and much more costly. And so there's this question that arises in our technology age when everyone is asking us to follow them, right? Every business, every celebrity, uh, every influencer is asking us, is saying to us, follow me. And so this question arises in our current day and age. What does it truly look like to follow Jesus today? What does it look like? And, and, and how can we do that together in a way that God intended? See, herein lies the vision for this year. Our focus, quite simply, is responding to, to Jesus' powerful and personal invitation to each and every one of us when he looks deep into our soul and says, you follow me. Will you follow Jesus with us this year? It's the invitation Jesus gives us into life. And, and, and I have this sense that, that as a church, sometimes we, we don't really know what that looks like, or, or we don't know how to take practical, real steps in doing that together. Well, this year, we simply want to call you to follow Jesus. And this isn't so much our vision for the church in this year, it's been Jesus' vision for every church in every season. But we want to take special time and attention to to figure out together what this looks like. Not simply with our words, but with our lives, our actions, in all that we do. And so this morning, as something of a first step, I I want you to consider what followers of Jesus look like. What do disciples of Jesus look like? So turn with me to Mark chapter 1, uh, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 20. Mark chapter 1, 14 to 20. If you're going to use one of the Bibles in the pew, it's on page 699, um, or you can kind of uh, Google that, and, and the, 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 the kind of passage magically pops up. It's amazing. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. After John was put in prison... That is, John the Baptist. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, as we sit under your word this morning, we invite you to speak, not simply to our heads, but to our hearts. And so we take a a moment, even right now, to orient ourselves to your lordship. And Jesus, as we begin, we know that you are the one who made us and loves us, and you are the way You're the truth and the life. So lead us, Lord Jesus, into the fullness of all that you have intended for people. We pray this in your name. Amen. So the text tells us that Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. And now this region was known for its fishing. In fact, there are historians of Jesus' day that have have written, it's been recorded, that they say that the Sea of Galilee had more unique species of fish than any other body of water. It was a place to go fishing. It It was actually a great place to set up a fishing business. It was a great place to set up a business and enjoy a taste of the good life. It provided steady, lucrative work. It was a place to put down roots and, and raise a family, perhaps to buy that cottage in the countryside for a weekend away when things get a little too much. And so we're told Jesus is walking along the coast, and he sees two brothers named Simon and Andrew, and, and they're on the shore casting their nets into the water. That's how easy it was to fish in Galilee. You didn't even need to go in the, in, into a boat And there, Jesus calls out to them, saying, come follow me. And if you hear in the story, we read that that immediately they drop their nets and follow him. It's a little bizarre, isn't it? Jesus' invitation was still hanging in the air. And and, and these brothers, they leave their fishing business. And they follow a man that they hardly know. Why? Why? As the story goes on, uh, we read this isn't an isolated incident uh, because Jesus actually goes a little further down the coast and he sees two more brothers named James and John. And they're in the company boat. And their nets, they're they're, they're preparing to to fish in the deeper water. And then Jesus invites them and we're told that they leave immediately. (laughs) In fact, we're told that they leave their father in the boat along with all the employees And they follow Jesus. Why? Well, one reason might be because Jesus is just that powerful. That when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords arrives in your life, and you see who he is, and you hear him speak the words, you follow me, we're compelled to say yes. It could be that, that Jesus is just that powerful. But another reason is buried in this, in this first century context of, uh, that surrounds a, a relationship between a rabbi and their disciples. You see, Jesus' call here uh, to these fishermen, it echoes the language, the common language, between a master teacher, known as a rabbi, and his students, which were called disciples. You see, Jewish rabbis, they were revered and respected. You know, in my day, your parents wanted you to grow up and become a doctor or a lawyer because it was a respected profession, right? In Jesus' day, becoming a rabbi was this special honor. Even just being associated with a rabbi, it came with this, with this certain status. But here's the problem. The problem was that you couldn't just become a rabbi's disciple. You had to be the best of the best. Here's the route that most Jewish kids in first century Palestine traveled in in being a disciple. This was the route that that almost every kid walked. It began with what they call Bet Sefer at the age of five years old. And it was at this age where, where kids began studying the Torah which is the first five books of the Bible. They would memorize sections of it, and by the time they were 12 or 13, the best and the brightest in the group would have memorized the entire thing. I and mean, get that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all by heart. It's amazing what you can do when you're not looking at a screen all the time. This is what I told my son. My son is 12 years old. I said, have, have you memorized the Torah yet? <laughs> this is what they did uh, before they had TVs, uh, I guess. Um, by the age of 12 or 13, they, they had it known by heart, some of them at least. And those who didn't cut it, they, they were released. They were released to go and learn the trade of their parents. So they would become fishers or carpenters or or merchants in the family business. But the best of the best, the best and brightest kids in bet uh, would would move up to what was called Bet-Midrash. And in Bet-Midrash, they would memorize more of the scriptures and they would grow in their understanding of the law and the prophets. So when the elite in Bet Midrash reached the age of 17 or 18, there was another crossroads. Those who didn't rise to the top, they were encouraged to get married and and take a place in the family business. But the best and the brightest, they moved up. They were to go out into the world to find themselves a different rabbi, a new rabbi that they would follow. It wouldn't be a rabbi from their hometown. They would need to go and search for someone who was more accomplished and more prestigious. And so the best of the best of the best would go about asking these prominent rabbis, Can I follow you? Can I follow you? And the rabbi, of course, would assess the disciples' worth. They would grill them with questions, asking them questions about the Scripture, about their pedigree, about their pedagogy. And they'd see if that disciple had what it took to be that rabbi's follower. So picture, Jesus comes down the coast of a small fishing village. He sees two brothers, and and they're fishing, and he calls out with his rabbi's voice, Come, follow me. They drop their nets and follow. He goes a few miles further down the coast and calls out to another set of brothers. Come, follow me. They drop their nets and follow. Why? Because Jesus, the great rabbi, has chosen them. They weren't the best of the best. They weren't the smartest or most impressive. They were likely successful in business. But this rabbi, one with authority, looks them in the eye and says, I choose you. I believe in you. You've got what it takes to be my disciple. You see, it's enough to make you drop your nets and follow. Don't miss this. Jesus is calling each and every one of you to follow him, to be his disciple. See, he sees everything about you. He sees all that you've done. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees the ugly. He sees the failures. He he sees the insecurities, the flaws. He sees it all, yet he says, I choose you. I believe in you. You've got what it takes to be my disciple. Come, follow me. You see, we we talk a lot about believing in God, but have you ever considered that God believes in you? He's saying, follow me. Jesus chooses you to be his disciple. His invitation is both personal and it's powerful, and the question is, how will you respond? For his invitation goes out to every person he's made. You are his special possession, the apple of his eye, the joy of his life. And one of the things that we need to know about disciples is something really quite simple. There are a few things that the disciples do. And the first thing that we see about disciples is is the disciples walk with Jesus. Simple, isn't it? They walk with Jesus. For these fishermen, following, it literally meant stepping off of the shore or out of the boat and walking shoulder to shoulder with him. They would walk with Jesus, listening to his words, watching him work seeing who he loves, sharing meals and and struggles and celebrations. That's what disciples did. They walk with Jesus. And so the question for for all of us Jesus followers, it becomes, do you have ways of walking with Jesus in your own life? Do you take time to acknowledge his presence and his voice in your day-to-day life? Do you live with Jesus or are you simply trying to live for Jesus? Because there's a difference between the two. One is the source. Without the source, the outcome usually fails. See, Jesus invites us to live with him, not to live for him but the second follows from the first. Disciples first and foremost walk through life with Jesus. But there's more to being a disciple than than walking with Christ because Jesus actually wants to to make something of your life. He he wants you to become something you aren't presently. Look at the invitation that he gives uh, to Simon and Andrew in verse 17 again. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Do you see it? Jesus, he doesn't want to leave Simon and Andrew in the life that they're currently living. He he wants to make something out of their lives, something significant, something meaningful. And he wants to make something out of your life, too. Out of my life, too. See, the Greek word in in this verse is the word ginomai. And it means to become. And that's why some of the Bible translations have Jesus saying this in verse 17. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. Disciples of Jesus, when they follow him, they become something something they aren't presently sometimes my wife Gina says to me Keith you're perfect just the way you are (laughs) okay let's be honest she's never said that to me (laughs) but for good reason right because I'm not perfect just the way that I am I'm not I'm loved I'm embraced I I have inherent value because I'm made in God's image, as do all of us, but I am far from perfect. There's room to grow, room to become something that, that more closely resembles the love and the grace and the power of God. And Jesus calls us to be his disciples because he wants to make us into something like that. He wants to make you into something that you're not Presently. And, and, and here's the kicker, that every would-be disciple needs to hear, needs to consider. Mark this. Jesus doesn't make us into something of our own choosing. He doesn't make us into something of our own choosing. I was at a, a, a gas station last week, and, and on an impulse, I bought a lottery ticket. Now, I know I just rock some of your worlds here, you know. something that pastors aren't supposed to do, right? I bought a lottery ticket. This is my confession moment. But if it makes it any better, when I bought the lottery ticket, I did pray, Jesus, I would really like to win this lottery. <laughs> and if I do, of course, you know what comes next, I promise that I will give at least 10% to the church. <laughs> so there's something in it for you. judge me you've all been there before too we all have a vision for our life where we're a little more wealthy or a little more successful or a little more attractive and we sometimes think that this vision for our lives is God's vision too but it isn't you see Jesus doesn't make us into something of our own choosing He makes us into something of his. And what he chooses for all of us is not to become more wealthy or successful or or attractive, but to become more like him. And this is the hardest thing about being a disciple. It's the hardest thing. It's allowing Jesus to work in us where we become the person that God made us to be. Because sometimes our vision of what that is is not God's vision. See, one of the greatest barriers that we all face, one of the greatest barriers that you face in becoming a disciple is yourself. The greatest barrier. With the emphasis, of course, on self. You see, we're used to being at the center of all the decisions that we we make in life. I mean, it's quite natural. We we are quite literally the center of our universe. We know nothing else. And we live in this culture that is infatuated with the self, Self self-love, self-expression, self-determination self-confidence, self-fulfillment. This is the culture's vocabulary when it comes to a person's identity today. But if we look to God's word, these descriptions of the self, they're absent. And in their place are words like self-surrender, self-sacrifice, self-denial, self-control. This is the vocabulary of discipleship. You see, at the heart of a disciple is not the self. It's Christ crucified. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's the hardest thing about being a disciple. Don't miss this church. You can only become like Jesus when you're willing to let him be center stage in your life. When you're willing to follow his ways over your own comforts and desires. I I was walking my dog this week, uh, and out of the corner of my eye, I I saw one of my neighbors. And and it's a neighbor that I I don't often see, and, and I really rarely ever talk to. And and it was in the morning, and and I really wasn't in the mood to chat, so I kept on walking. But in that moment, I, I heard Jesus speak something to my heart that sounded something like this. He said, Keith, what makes you think you have authority to make that decision? To simply walk on by because you don't feel like talking. Haven't I called you to be my light in this neighborhood? Don't I have the authority to direct your steps? In that simple moment, I was standing at the crossroads between the self-life and the disciple life, faced with choosing convenience over service, following my Lord or following myself. And in the end... There was this great freedom and joy that, that finally came when I, when I chose to follow Jesus' invitation. And I turned and greeted my neighbor. There was a joy, there was a freedom. But church, let's not overlook moments like this. It was a simple moment, but, but, but that's how following Jesus works. One simple moment at a time. Where we let Jesus take the lead so that he might make us into something that we aren't presently. Something that resembles him. Disciples become like Jesus. So, disciples walk with Jesus. Disciples become like Jesus, but there is a third thing. Disciples join what Jesus is doing. Verse 17 again, look. I'll read it again. Jesus says, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And I wonder if you you hear what these fishermen would have heard. Jesus is making a direct connection between the life they are living and the life he's inviting them into. Right? Do you see that? They were fishermen. They were in the industry. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to take this business of yours and I'm going to turn it into a mission. I'm going to take what you do and turn it into something I'm doing. Follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You hear that connection? Church, we need to understand that Jesus is already on mission wherever we go. That he is already working a redemptive mission where, wherever you work, whether that's working as a student in school or, or in an office building or, or at home or even in the garden. And Jesus is inviting us to join his mission right where we are. He wants to take the things that you do and put them to use for his redemptive mission in the world. Just think of all that you do in a day. He's inviting you to follow you in those things and through those things to be part of his mission of love and redemption so that the world would know that Jesus has come for them. Now, we we might not see it at first, but Jesus' words to these fishermen here, it actually relates to what he says a little further back in verse 15. Let me read those words. Verse 15, Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, Jesus here is speaking about his mission, his redemptive mission in the world, and his mission is to establish God's kingdom upon the earth. In other words, you could say that Jesus came to set up God's rule and reign in the hearts of women and men everywhere. And Jesus knows that God's kingdom can only ever be established in a person when they repent. Now, that's a loaded word for lots of people. But repent simply means to turn around. Not simply to to turn around and turn away from the sinful things that we've done, but to turn our whole lives around. I've heard someone say once that to repent is to turn away from what you're doing and embrace what God is doing. I really like that. To repent is to turn away from, from what you're preoccupied with doing and to embrace wholeheartedly what God is actually doing. And so when, when Jesus says to these fishermen, Come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. He is, in fact, calling them to to repent. He's calling them to to be part of his kingdom work. He's saying repent, not so much from their sin, but from what they've been living for. Jesus is saying, turn away from what, what you're doing, drawing fish into your nets, and embrace what God is doing. Drawing people into his kingdom through his love and grace. Pastor Brian Wilkerson describes these fishermen's call to repentance this way. He says, This it wasn't what these fishermen were doing, was, it wasn't that what these fishermen were doing was so wrong. It was just that it was too small. They were running a business. Jesus was offering them a mission. They were making a living. Jesus wanted them to make a difference. Jesus had something much bigger in mind for these brothers than a pretty good life on the shores of Galilee. He wanted them to go out and change the world in his name. So church, let me ask, if Jesus were to come walking into your life today, Or if he were to interrupt you at work tomorrow, like he did with the brothers. Or if he were to interrupt you on your way to school or as you work around the house and tell you to repent, I wonder, what is it that he would be asking you to repent of? Maybe there is some sin in your life, some tendency or or attitude or behavior that's wrong and keeps getting in the way of the life that you were meant to live. And if that's the case, then repentance begins with with turning away from whatever that is. But it could be that you're living a pretty good life. It could be that you're trying to follow Jesus, but you haven't quite dove in and joined him in his mission in the world. And if that's the case, then what Jesus wants you to repent from is not a life that's so wrong, but a life that's too small. You've settled for making a living when you could be making a difference. Because disciples join what Jesus is doing. And So three things. Disciples walk with Jesus, they become like Jesus, and they join what Jesus is doing. And Jesus is calling every single one of you. So church, this is our vision for the year. (laughs) To be disciples of Christ who are learning to walk with him, to become like him, and to join in his work in the world. And so the real practical question becomes, how do we do it together? Because really, talk is cheap. What are are the steps that we can take uh, as a church to grow in these three areas? Well, there are, are kind of four pathways that our pastoral staff have kind of put together. They're like these paths that we want to invite you to walk this year that are going to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus in these various things. The first that I want to draw, invite you to walk, the first path is is to be part of a group, a group of uh, other people who are intentionally following Jesus together. Uh, And so maybe you're part of a group already, whether that's the men's group or or, or the women's group that meets, or or maybe you're part of a small group. Uh, But if you're not, uh, let me invite you to something specific that we've been talking about for a few weeks. And that is our our group's launch, uh, which we're calling Live Connected. And, And basically, what this is, is it's an opportunity for you to come on Tuesday, starting September the 26th, for three Tuesdays in a row, And sit in a room with other people who want to to walk this journey of being in a group together. Uh, And and Pastor Rick is going to to lead that time in in, in helping launch new groups. And helping go through what it could look like. uh, And launching you on your way. And so after three Tuesdays of doing this, uh, these groups will launch in a, a different expression. Depending on what the Spirit leads as you gather for those three weeks. We want to invite you to walk the path of being in a group. The second pathway we want to invite you to take steps on are what we're calling formation experiences. And now these are three-day experiences that cover a Thursday evening, a Friday evening, and a Saturday. So a three-day kind of commitment. And these three-day experiences are intentional, they're intensive, and they're interactive to help you grow in the Lord. And there are three dates I want to get on your calendar, and we'll have this. This is all on our website. But the first of our formation experiences is on November 23rd to 25th, where we're going to be looking about how to live full, a life full of the Holy Spirit. Then on February 1st to 3rd, we're going to have this experience where we're going to lean into living free in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, on April 18th to 20th, Uh, we have a a third session where we're going to press in more and learning how to live free in the Holy Spirit. So one path is groups. One path are formation experiences. The third path are Sunday mornings. I want to invite you to make Sunday morning a regular part of following Jesus because there is a lot that happens on Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit, as we worship together, there's something that Jesus does in our midst that that is really hard to replicate when you're on your own. We know in the scriptures, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. And so, worshiping together, Sunday morning is not the be-all to end-all. But Jesus does something as we commit to walking this path as a way we can follow him. And let me, with, with a full heart, even reach out to those of you who join us online every week. Let me invite you. Maybe you're in a space where you've kind of kept a distance for, for good reasons as we've gone through this strange time. But now is the time to reengage with other people in your life with Jesus. It matters. And we want to invite you to do that. Uh, fourth, the fourth uh, pathway we want to invite you to follow uh, is, is our online resources. Because we understand maybe in, in your space of life, being part of a group it might be difficult uh, for you. Uh, and so all of the resources that our groups will be using uh, are, are available on our website. And so you can go through those. Maybe you know a group of other people that you want to pull together, and you can use the resources through the website, or you can go to those uh, to, to follow along as we follow Jesus this year. So four pathways that you can walk, that we want to invite you to commit to this year that will help you grow to, become, to walk with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to join what Jesus is doing. But let me say this. Maybe there is one path on there that you have... It's a worn-out path. Worn-out not in the sense that it's bad, but worn-out and it's the one path you've always walked. And let me say, maybe Jesus is inviting you to a new adventure to chart new territory, to walk a new path. And that might mean taking a risk and joining a group, or giving up two evenings and a Saturday of your life to join a formation experience. Or maybe it's coming into this building. But let me invite you to walk these paths of discipleship together, because it matters and it's what it looks like to be a disciple, church, Jesus has chosen you to be his disciple. He thinks you can do it. So let's walk together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for, for calling us. You did not leave us in shame and in darkness and in sin, enslaved to death. You did not leave us there but you stepped out of the glories of heaven, you took on flesh, and on the cross, you took all of this sin and brokenness upon yourself, so that we might truly live. And Jesus, you speak to each one of us, and you say, follow me. And so Lord, we will be courageous, And we will follow. So lead us in a way that only you can do. We are your church. We pray.